More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome back in, hour number two, Monday edition, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Encourage you to go download the podcast. Make sure you don't miss a single moment. You can search out my name, Clay Travis. You can search out Buck Sexton. And you'll be sure that you get every single hour, every single minute at your convenience. We also love all of the 450-plus stations out there in all 50 states rolling through with the show. Appreciate you helping us to have a good time, and I hope you're having a good time as well. We've already talked about a lot of different stories out there. Fauci said yesterday on CBS it was too soon to know if Christmas needed to be canceled. Then he came back this morning on CNN when everybody was ripping him and saying, hey, you know, most of us have started to live our normal life and took the opposite side and said he thought that it was going to be okay for people who were vaccinated to have a normal Christmas. We've just been talking about Senator Cinema of Arizona chased into the bathroom. Joe Biden has an opportunity to discuss it, and not surprisingly, he whiffed, said he thought it was inappropriate, but that also it was a part of the process. And uh, a lot of other stories surrounding the budget that will continue to follow. Again, they got to get to 50 votes. They got to figure out what the number is that Cinema and Mansion are willing to support. The time frame now seems instead of being last week, Buck, when all of this was expected to be completed, Uh, Now they are hoping the Democrats are to get it done before October is complete. But one of the things that I think is so striking right now is the two different worlds that many of us live in. If you are listening to me right now in a red state, your life is almost 100% normal. It's as if COVID never really existed by and large. If you are listening to me, even in a blue state, in a rural area, I think that could also very much be true. But if you're in New York City, or you're in LA, or you're in a major coastal city, by and large, you are still living under the authoritarian footprint of your mayors, your governors, and certainly your president. And I always find that dichotomy to be really interesting in experience And Buck, you had that experience on steroids, I would say, on this past weekend. 
Because you got on a plane in New York City, had almost no freedoms, and when you landed two and a half hours later in Birmingham, there were almost no restrictions at all. You and our producer, Ali, both. How jarring was that dichotomy for you to go from the center of restricted America to the wide open red states? It's a little bit in 2021, like I would assume the closest thing an American can get to crossing from East Germany to West Germany, you know, in the 1950s. I mean, that's that's really what it feels like. It feels a little bit like, hold on a second. Why is it that this part of the country has embraced normalcy? And and in New York, I'll tell you, it keeps getting more. And we get closer to winter. Everyone knows wintertime is the worst time for this virus in the Northeast. And historically. and, and, And that's just clear. That's obvious. Even Fauci says that. And that's one of the things that he says that's actually true. So they're they're dealing with that anxiety building up and they're doing it by masking up out. You see a lot of people here outside with masks on. I wouldn't say everybody by any stretch, but it's 20 to 30 percent walking around in midtown of people outside, folks, by themselves. Masks on. You see people riding bicycles in the bike lanes here. For some reason, there's a correlation between bicycle lane people and mask wearing. I don't know what it is exactly, but it's there. And and Clay, I, I would I would point this out, though, too. What you see in Alabama is there are signs everywhere that say mask preferred or like consider wearing a mask. And everyone's just like, we're not doing that. You know, there's, there's a very different attitude about it uh, with, with few exceptions. But on the plane, plane there, plane back. I mean, this is as long as some vestiges of Fauciism remains it's only a matter of time before Fauciism returns. That's the problem. This is what I've been saying all along. Even when they thought the vaccine was the end, Clay has said, notice they never got rid of masks on planes. Why? They never got rid of masks on planes because they know if people cast off all of the vestiges of Fauciism, then it can actually disappear forever. And there are a lot of people that want there to be a new health security state. Were you more optimistic, though, seeing on the ground in Alabama, what red state people... Because here's what I've been seeing all fall. I go around to a different college town every weekend, and we were in Tuscaloosa, Alabama this weekend. And by the way, we met a ton of listeners. Uh, It was fantastic. Took a lot of pictures. Great to hear so many of you coming up, and we'll get Buck's review of his first college football game. But before we get to that, I have been arguing that college football and NFL fans are leading us in many ways to freedom because there are millions of them showing up every weekend, sold-out stadiums, tailgating, living the best version of their life, and I can't imagine them giving up the freedoms now that the stadiums are full again. That's one reason I thought sports is such an important symbol. Even if last night you were watching, like I'm sure 25 million some odd people end up watching 20 million, whatever the number will be, Tom Brady on the road against Bill Belichick in Foxborough. That's New England. That's Massachusetts. That's an area that has been one of the strong posts of Fauciism. Sold out, not a mask in the crowd that I saw. And I think that's an important sign of normalcy. Are you more optimistic about people being willing to fight back, having been and seen what you saw over the weekend? I got to tell you, Clay, I think it's my my takeaway was I don't know how the country goes along as it as it is right now with people one, that yeah. view it so differently. I mean, yeah. I, I don't have an optimism that New Yorkers and Californians and Massachusettsans, uh, <laughs> I don't know how, whatever they are, whatever we say yeah. for that, Massachusettsans, right. I don't know. But 
uh, I, I don't have an optimism that they're going to change their minds anytime soon at all. And and I would also say that I'm I'm concerned. Remember the federal mandate. The Biden administration hasn't backed off their vaccine mandate, their federal mandate yet. Um, and if anything, the experience of New York City is they think that the get the shot or you're fired program was a smashing success. Ninety seven or ninety eight percent of now teachers in New York City, I think the latest number is about ninety seven percent got the shot. There was a big have surge yeah. of thousands and th- people need a paycheck. People need their jobs. So they figure, oh, OK, that coercion worked in New York. I can assure you, based on the numbers going into the winter, there'll be other places that will say it's time for more coercive mandates. And the federal government is going to be the one pushing it. So even places like Alabama, remember, you get on a plane. So, yes, on the one hand, there's this optimism of of 100,000 people living life, enjoying themselves, being out. But it is an outdoor stadium, too. Right. So this is I mean, there were outdoor concerts in Chicago. Right. But those are okay, according to Fauci, because that's Chicago. Fauci, by the way, has shut up about college football in the NFL. Yeah, I I haven't heard him say anything in a while about that. And and of course, the Met Gala. Right. I mean, there are certain things that that the the libs are fine with that are big gatherings where no one's wearing masks. So there's a lot of hypocrisy around it. But I feel the country actually coming more apart because you get into an Uber. You are supposed even in Alabama, you're supposed to wear the drivers are all masked up. All the uh, all the personnel working at our at our hotel were masked up the whole time, Clay. I mean, so, yes, it's better. But don't you feel like it should be a lot better? I mean, if someone gets on a plane in Birmingham, goes anywhere in the country, they're going to sit there and be lectured by flight attendants who with Stasi like zeal enforce the mask up between bites mandate. That's just it's a it's intellectually offensive. I mean, it's offensive on many levels, but. They really say mask up between bites, and they'll tell you. They'll say, excuse me, sir, you're not actively drinking. Pull your mask up. As if that does anything. It, it, it is a form of madness. And I, I think the only way the madness is going to be truly apparent is I really do think we're going to be looking back in 20 or 30 years, and a lot of people's grandkids are going to be saying, didn't you realize that it was stupid that you could walk through an airport and you had to wear a mask, but everybody who was eating and drinking at a restaurant, like literally that you could reach out and touch as you're walking through the terminal, didn't have their masks on, and you guys thought that you were making a difference. I think there's going to be a lot of that in the years ahead. Um, but I do think the best way to win is to live your life normally. And I think that every single week there's more people who are saying, "Okay, I'm going to live my life normally. Yeah, I I think you have to embrace freedom and push back where you can. But know that there are some places where you really can't. You know, you can you can be the one person on a 200 person flight that says or, you know, 150 person flight that says I'm not going to wear a mask. They're going to kick you off and ban you, arrest you and ban you from the airline. I'm not advocating that. Uh, because everybody's got to be able to work. And again, I think the, the the fact that the media is blindly covering the idea that mandates work, yeah, most people have to have a job. And if you're if most people are given a choice between you have to do X or you're going to lose your job, most people pick X because they have mortgages, because they have kids in school, because they have obligations as adults. I respect the fact that some of you are willing to say, no, I'm not going to bend down to this authoritarianism. I'll find a new job. I'll go somewhere else. And that's where I think, Buck, 
the great sorting that is going on is not getting enough attention. To the larger picture here, what COVID has done is make the red redder and the blue bluer. Yep. Because people who had uh, been on the border of whether or not they were going to stay in a blue state in particular have fled to red states. And so the number of toss-up states in our electoral college, I think, is going to continue to diminish. Like, I think Florida, if you have a good Republican candidate, even more in the Republican bank, same thing for Texas, same thing for states like yeah. Tennessee. I think Georgia likely has added some uh, some voters too. And all of that is going to create more division and dissension in the years ahead, no matter what the topic is, COVID or and, otherwise. And no surprise, the illegal immigrants are generally uh, going into either places along the border right away, but also blue states. I mean, the biggest concentration of illegal immigrants as a state is California. The biggest concentration of illegal immigrants in any city is New York City, which I think people often forget. Uh, so that's another demographic uh, reality that is playing out before us. I just want to say, Clay, we used to talk about China's, and by used to, I mean the last few years, China's social credit system as some horrifying dystopia that, you know, how could anyone live with this and deal with this? And now you have the Democrat Party in America effectively saying, yeah, we're going to need QR codes pretty soon here to make sure you get your six month booster for the virus. That's ninety nine point seven percent, you know, survivable for everybody who gets it, who's under the age of 70. Um, yeah, that's where we are all of a sudden. It's a pretty <laughs> remarkable circumstance how quickly we've gone from, well, China's tyrannical to let's get some of that Chinese tyranny over here. And people are begging for more authoritarianism. That's the crazy thing. By the way, Allie, who was there, said when she landed in Alabama, she took her mask off like a college senior tossing the graduation cap, which is a uh, which is pretty fantastic. There's a time in your life when you switch gears from playing the stock market or buying real estate. And instead, you focus on safer investments to protect what you've earned and saved. All of a sudden, investing in precious metals like gold and silver makes a whole lot more sense. When you make that investment, being able to buy gold is a special moment. Taking physical possession of it is even more special. I'll never forget the sensation I had when I held my gold in my hands for the first time. My partners at the Oxford Gold Group have precious metals that can be delivered to your home. They do it every day. They know how it's done safely. So if you think buying real gold is complicated, my friends at the Oxford Gold Group are who you need to call. They will simplify it for you. They'll explain everything to you, answer all your questions. Having real gold delivered to your home or having real gold as part of your IRA, it's just a phone call away with Oxford Gold. Call them at 833-404-GOLD and learn how you can have real gold in your IRA and delivered to your door. That's Oxford at 833-404, the Oxford Gold Group, 833-404-GOLD. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. 
the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. This is Buck. Clay in Nashville. I'm here in NYC, red state, blue state, bringing you perspectives from our uh, respective hometowns and talking to you all across the country. If you want to talk to us, 800-282-2882. That's 800-282-2882 on the lines. And one area where I'm sure we could have a, a, a lot of uh, folks weigh in is how crime is going in their cities in this year. And there there was a crime that got a lot of attention over the weekend. A man splashed paint on a George Floyd statue in Union Square. Now, I, I think, let me just say, uh, I'm opposed to vandalism and destroying private or public, you know, public sector property. I, I'm opposed to that. I don't agree with this. I do think it's interesting, though, that if you want to pull down a statue that the left doesn't like, it's a heroic act of hashtag resistance for for those vandals. But if somebody throws some silver paint on a George Floyd statue, which I think it's fair to ask, why are we making statues of George Floyd in this country and actually around the world? By the way, there are George Floyd murals and memorials all over the world. It's just remarkable. Why exactly are we doing that? But some paint was splashed on it. Now we're being told the NYPD is mobilizing against this as a hate crime. What happened as a result of the George Floyd killing in Minneapolis? There was the BLM movement once again. And what did the BLM movement do? Well, Clay, today we have yet another example of what reimagining slash defunding police results in. Austin, Texas, it's a really great, fun town has had its highest ever uh, homicide rate already. 60 homicides already this year in the city of Austin. And that, that's the highest it's been since, I'm sorry, since 1984. Oh, no, the highest ever. That was, In 1984, it was 59. And in response to all this, police have said they are going 
to stop responding to certain kinds of calls. There are police reforms underway that say that you here we go. You should not call police. You should call the like uh, their equivalent of, you know, local services. And we call it 311 in New York. I don't know what it is elsewhere for all kinds of things that involve crime, unless there's an imminent threat to life or property or the suspects are still in your sights. No more calling the cops after you come home. You find there was a burglar. Call 311 local services. The fact that 5,000 roughly additional people died in 2020 as a result of the murder rate skyrocketing, mostly young people, the fact that that hasn't been a bigger topic of conversation in the wake of the defund the police movement and of the failure to back the blue in any way, and that cities like Austin, which decided to dial back their dollars that they were spending on police and have led to a lot of different people deciding to leave the force. The fact this hasn't been one of the biggest stories in American politics and American news is a sign of how much in the bed the mainstream media is with these deranged left-wing lunatics who argued in favor of defund the police, which, Buck, look, there are a lot of different perspectives people can argue in favor of and against, but defund the police, I believe, is the dumbest political argument of the 21st century and maybe the dumbest argument that most of us have ever seen in our lives because you knew exactly what was going to happen in the wake of Ferguson in 2016. You knew what was going to happen The murder rate was going to skyrocket. The violent crime rate was going to increase. And the people who were going to be the biggest losers, the biggest victims of this crime race were going to be black, right? Black Lives Matter, the irony of it is Black Lives Matter claims to care about the safety of uh, black uh, individuals in the cities. And they actually led to far more of them being dead than otherwise would have. It's it's just an absolute tragedy. You want to create valuable breathing room in your household, household budget. Then pay less each month on your home mortgage. Not only possible, you could save up to $1,000 a month. American financing. Get hooked up right now with an incredible refi. Get hooked up with the lowest rates that have ever existed in most of our lives. No pressure, no obligation. A 10-minute phone call could save you $12,000 a year. If you're not locked in with the lowest possible rates for a refi or a new purchase, you are not making the best decision for your family. Think about what an extra $1,000 a month could mean for you. Think about what an extra $12,000 a year could mean. All you need to do is call 800-777-8109. That's 800-777-8109. AmericanFinancing.net. Call them today. Welcome back, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We roll through the Monday edition of the program. Story that I think has the potential to be the biggest in the world in a really negative way. And I don't know that it's getting a lot of attention right now, Buck. But over the past four days, 150 different Chinese aircraft have flown over Taiwan including 56 aircraft on Monday, the largest incursion of Taiwanese airspace ever by China. And I know a lot of you out there may not be paying a lot of attention or be aware of what this situation could be, 
But I think, Buck, this is a direct result of American incompetence in Afghanistan and a belief among foreign leaders that Joe Biden is not a strong enough leader or in control enough of his mental faculties to be able to handle a massive confrontation that could occur if China decides to invade Taiwan. And look, China basically took over Hong Kong and nobody did anything. The U.S. is retrenching from the rest of the world. We have as our policy in Taiwan strategic ambiguity, which means we've never really said what we would do if China tried to reclaim Taiwan as a part of the larger Chinese uh, government, which is what they've always argued, that Taiwan is a part of China. Do you think, Buck, that Joe Biden is up to this situation, this geopolitical game of chess with Chairman Z in China? And how far do these provocations go? Again, we've never seen this happen before. 56 aircraft, the largest incursion of Taiwanese airspace ever, taking place right now by China on this Monday. It's like they're testing us to see what they can get away with. China doesn't care what the pundits on CNN and MSNBC say about how brilliant uh, Tony Blinken or the Biden national security team is. Uh, They know what it was like, for one thing, under the eight years of the Obama administration. And I do think it's important to remind everybody that the Obama foreign policy was one of essentially unmitigated disaster. It was the bowing and apology tour to start off with all over the Muslim world in particular. Right. Obama showing up. We're so sorry. America's done all these bad things. Didn't bias any goodwill. Didn't change the trajectory of things in a, in a positive way. And then you had the Syrian civil war, a conflagration that took over a half a million lives. You had the debacle in Libya, uh, most notably or best remembered by what happened in Benghazi. You had the rise of ISIS in Syria and the blitzkrieg into Iraq that really in many ways was a was a uh, preview of what we were going to see from the Taliban under the Biden administration. And Clay, China sees all this and says, look, the Chinese economy's not doing well right now. Uh, there's a lot of theories as to why. Remember, it's very hard to accurately analyze the Chinese economy because they lie about him. <laughs> the, yeah. the central metrics for the Chinese economy are constantly manipulated by the state authorities there. So you have a lot of people who will they'll even say their GDP numbers are are greatly inflated. And, you know, there's a lot of to call it funny accounting is, is probably far too generous. But so the Chinese see an administration right now, Biden administration that's embattled. They see that there's not any real sense of of American political unity at this point in time. And so, of course, they're going to try to test the waters a little bit. They're going to do things to see how much can they get away with. And you start to wonder, what would the Biden administration response be to a major national security crisis? I mean, what do you think would happen here if Taiwan actually got invaded? Will we just allow it to happen? That's a it's a fascinating question. And it's one that I don't think there's an easy answer to. We, We are bound by a treaty to defend Taiwan would we would we do it if push came to shove? Depend- Could be World War Three, depending on on how it goes. Now, look, I don't think that this is I don't think this is imminent. But there's another way that you can see Chinese influence in Taiwan playing out. I mean, the, the Chinese have run the playbook already in Hong Kong, and it's somewhat similar to what Putin and the Russians do on their periphery, which is they start to undermine the society from within as well. 
And they're certainly trying to do that in Taiwan. They have doing it in America, too. That's right. They're playing. I know, Clay, it's amazing to me how much I talk to people. They still say, what do you think about Russian influence operations in America? And I look at them and I say, we have NBA players here who never have to work a day in their lives again if they don't want to, who are globally famous, who bend the knee and beg forgiveness from China, from Xi Jinping, the moment someone, you know, one of them says yes. the wrong thing. And, and you're worried about Russian influence operations in America because of the Facebook ad buy or whatever in 2016? Totally delusional. China is a far more pernicious threat to undermining the U.S. from within. And the Biden administration, I mean, if, if, if you're looking at this and you're an adversary to the United States, and I, and I know I've, I've talked to a lot of veterans about this in recent weeks who are just they're furious with the ineptitude of remember it's not just biden it's the team around him if the people around joe biden were really squared away we might feel a little bit better about this right he's still the commander-in-chief but clay tony blinken chairman milley jen saki i mean that that this is why they're sending the planes over taiwan right now this is a direct i think uh buck direct result of our failure in afghanistan because what yeah. the democrats are well, trying well, they didn't to send them right they're... i mean they didn't break taiwanese sovereign air like that that actually be an act of war but they they basically buzzed they buzzed close by as a little uh, extended middle finger toward taiwan so this, I believe, is a direct response because some people will say, well, we needed to get out of Afghanistan. What does it matter? Yes, it was a messy exit. But what's the long term geopolitical significance in the long run? We're not there. We didn't belong there and people will forget and it's not going to be that big of a story. Well, the impact geopolitically is we are so weakened that I think China, I guarantee you they're debating right now. Do you think Joe Biden, who just said it's time to end foreign wars, would actually step up and defend Taiwan if we decided we wanted to invade it and make Taiwan a part of the mainland Chinese empire? I think I that the Biden that administration would. would call for some kind of a U.N. mandate protectorate situation. Stern, stern, sternly worded letter. They, they, would hold, they would hold a lot of meetings. Look, Taiwan would be able to put up a little bit of a, at least a little bit of a fight in, in the short term and... So it's not clear exactly what the Chinese war plan would be and how they'd go about this. But even just this, uh, there's a psychological warfare component of this, too. I mean, the people of Taiwan are sitting there and they're asking the same question we are right now, which is, would America really? And look, I think a lot of Americans would ask this question. Do we want would we want to go to war over Taiwan? You know, do you, do you want to send your kids? Would, do you want to go a, yourself? A ton of people asking that question. A lot of people ask that question. And I think it's by the way. It's a valid question to ask. It's a valid question to ask. So the well, Biden administration, I don't think anybody knows exactly how they would respond in that moment. But if we're just looking at pure ability, the ineptitude of the withdrawal, it's not, it's not just the logistics part of it for everybody. It's the lack of foresight, the abandoning of Bagram, the clear inability to have preparations in place. Because, as you say, Clay, it is a great line from Mike Tyson, you know, no plan Every, no everybody's got a plan, plan until they get, get punched in the face. face. Yeah. Uh, there's also, you know, no plan survives first contact with the enemy. That's not no battle plan. That's not Mike Tyson, but it's, you know, similar yeah. idea. And this Biden administration, if you're looking at contingencies and on the spot response for something that's of the kind of magnitude of a real Chinese provocation against Taiwan or even a provocation in the South China Sea where they're building out these air bases and, and there there's all these areas of of continued uh, 
animosity between the Chinese and a lot of other nations, the Philippines, Korea, Japan, about who has control of these territorial waters. I mean, the Biden administration feels like it's asleep at the switch on everything. Why wouldn't they be asleep at the wheel on this one, too? I think that's a fantastic question, and I think that's what the Chinese are trying to exploit. In the meantime, I wish there were more organizations like this doing good. Tunnel to Towers committed to something special this year. They've given 200 mortgage-free homes to America's heroes and their families. Think about that for a minute. Imagine a neighborhood of 200 homes, sheer size of the footprint it would take up. Now, these homes aren't all together in one place. They're spread out across the country where the families of our heroes are living close to family members that can offer their support. Get the idea from that visual. Last month, Tunnel to Towers led us all to never forget what happened on 9-11 and who was the most affected by that tragedy. We never want to forget the men and women who made the ultimate sacrifice in the process of saving each other. And that's why, Buck, we need you and everyone out there to help Tunnel to Towers. They're going to help us remember those we've lost in the war on terror next month on Veterans Day, too, with a specially created ceremony. And after that, between Thanksgiving and New Year's, they'll give away a home a day in their season of hope. Join us in supporting Tunnel to Towers Foundation. They do good every day with your donation. Help Tunnel to Towers to do good right now. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear. 
navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never seen before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. We're flying through here. Coming up on Hour 3 shortly, we'll talk about whether Fauci is lying about wanting to consider at least having you not spending Christmas with your relatives. He said it. Now he says he didn't say it because he's Fauci. He thinks he can get away with anything. And what do we know? We're just a bunch of peasants who are supposed to take all of his direction without questioning, right? That's what they think. Meanwhile, the CDC has said officially, maybe you should consider having a virtual holiday celebration, you know? (laughs) See your family on the screen. Be like, hey, mom and dad, it's almost like you're here with me. I can almost touch you except it's glass. That's what they what want for everybody. What percentage of people now? are actually still... This is the thing that I really wonder about. What percentage of the American public is going to restrict their Christmas or Thanksgiving or Halloween? Have you seen some parents are like, oh, I'm not letting my yeah. kids trick or treat. You're not letting your kids walk around outdoors I, I think it's, in a mask? I think it's, it's about 20. I think about 20%. 20% of the country. I think the same 20% who thinks that climate change is going to consume the world in flames unless we put AOC in I charge feel, of the economy with the I Green New so Deal. I so bad, Buck, and, for the kids of those 20%. Can you imagine the hell that living in those houses for those kids yeah. must have been over the last I, I 18 mean, months? I, th- that's It's crazy, but there are people that still want to, They're masking up their kids. They want to get them the shot. They want to do all these things. And then also um, going into the holiday season... I think you're going to see a much bigger push for boosters. They say right now it's not mandatory to be fully vaccinated. I'm telling you, I'm making a prediction. They will change that. And Fauci will say, oh, it evolved. That's what he always says. Everything evolves, right? He lies to you. The incrementalism keeps going and there's an evolution. And if you're wondering to what extent are they willing to shut down information still? And I know there's that Facebook uh and Clay, if you want to get in that in the next hour, there's this Facebook whistleblower. She's she's a liberal, folks. Let's it's not not blowing the whistle on Facebook being unfair to conservatives. But we'll talk about what's really going on there. Uh, over the weekend, Twitter got a lot of heat, rightly so, because there was a woman uh, named Jessica Berg who was quote an exceptionally healthy and vibrant 37 year old young mother with no underlying health conditions, who passed away from this is from OregonLive.com from a you know real news site passed away from covid vaccine induced thrombotic thrombocytopenia she did not want to get vaccinated twitter clay labeled that a woman's obituary we know there are side effects maybe they're incredibly rare that doesn't mean they don't exist as misleading it's now misleading for people to find out if somebody got the shot and I, I agree, it is very rare to get the shot and die from what we know so far, but it still, ha- it, it, you can still say it if it's true, right? Not according to Twitter. 
Well, it's not even that rare right now in England based on the data that's coming out of England, right? Something around 70% of the people dying with COVID. No, no, no. That's I mean, dying from the shot, not dying yeah, with yeah, the yeah, shot. Yeah, but I'm saying, but even the, for the vaccinated people to be dying with COVID. And the problem is you aren't allowed to share data points that contradict the narrative. But in this scenario... I'm not surprised because it goes against the prevailing narrative. So we don't know. Look, I mean, it's rare for someone in their 30s to die, period. Having said that, every single day, people in their 30s die of a variety of different unexpected outcomes. And so getting into why that is occurring is important, but also understandable that it's an outlier. What happens here, Buck, is... When outliers, right, when a 24-year-old dies with COVID, everybody shares it widely, and it's one of the most distributed stories on Twitter, even though that's an outlier. There's almost no 24-year-olds who are going to die with COVID. But when somebody has a vaccine reaction, that also is an outlier, but that's not allowed to be shared, right? So I think the problem we have in American society in many ways is that we try to treat outliers as if they are representative samples of the larger data sets, when in reality, the reason they're newsworthy is because they're so rare. And so we end up with this anecdote-driven culture, and then you have everybody trying to respond to the anecdote, like on the border buck, when suddenly we aren't allowed to have horses because somebody took a photo and they decided to try to make it look like it was inappropriate behavior from a Border Patrol official, even though it wasn't. Speaking of data... This is out of Massachusetts because we've been mentioning on the show today how the COVID cases have been surging further north with, if you believe or just know about the seasonality of this virus in the past, this is as predicted as expected. It's just a question of of degree, but you knew there would be more COVID going up north, Florida looking better and better, Texas looking better and better. The COVID wave has gone beyond uh, beyond those areas. And now in Massachusetts, uh, they have 675. This was as of over the weekend. Patients currently hospitalized with COVID, 173 in intensive care, 213 patients of the 675 patients in the hospital with COVID right now are reportedly fully vaccinated. Yeah. Now, I, I need someone to start to think about this one, folks, because they're going to change the numbers. They're going to move the goalposts again. We have been led to believe up to this point it is incredibly rare for someone to be in the hospital who is fully vaccinated, that you're you're good, you're protected. How how is it the case that almost a third during a surge, no less, in Massachusetts, almost a third of people in the hospital are fully vaccinated if it's incredibly rare? A third doesn't sound like incredibly rare. Now, I know that's not a representative sample of everywhere and everything. But it's early stage in what we're expecting to happen here. And again, I would go to England where 70 percent of people dying are fully vaccinated. How how can Fauci not be asked that question, by the way, Clay, on TV? How can no one ask? I think one, if you watch White House press briefings, I think we very often overrate the average intelligence of White House press briefings. Uh, Journalists in general. Most most journalists are B-minus students from crappy second-tier liberal arts programs. Just telling you the truth. So I think that's a problem. And then I also think there are so many people who are afraid of being anti-vaccine, classified as that, on Twitter that they won't even ask that kind of question. It's a fantastic question. Should be the kind of question Fauci would get asked. That's why they won't let him come on our show, Buck. 
Because I think deep down they know we're not going to try and lacerate him or just call him names or anything like that. We would just want him to have to answer intelligently to the best of his ability questions that require nuance as opposed to basic screaming uh, non-entity questions, which is what he usually gets all day. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 